What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. High noon. Welcome. You're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, going live from Brooklyn, New York. I'm hanging out in my restaurant, Della, which is on Prospect Ave in the Windsor Terrace section of Brooklyn, which is where I got to know my guest today. Before I bring him on, I'm going to give you the message of the week. Get out of here. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot lately about social entrepreneurship. This was a, a concept that I was really introduced to uh, by a former guest, uh, Josh Margolis, who was on in either December or January, I can't remember which. But the, this idea of, and the, the message is really about what you do as an entrepreneur that makes you a better human, but at the same time makes the world a better place. Makes me think a lot of my guests today and what he's done with his company. Uh, he, he's a startup guy, he's an entrepreneur. I think he's also a lawyer. He does a number of things, but we first met at the local martial arts school. We were kickboxing partners. We were we were not sparring partners, but we did. Uh, I wouldn't dare spar with you, Jeremiah. <laughs> we did we did some partner work together. So welcome to the show, Adam Farbiaz. Is that how you say your last name? Pretty close. Pretty close. Farbiash. Okay. Farbiash. Farbiash. It was the guys was from Brazil, like uh, my brother, the Farbiash. Who's Farbiash from Brazil? I'm kidding. That's, oh, well, <laughs> it's an inside joke. Um, I'll accept how it. Are you, how are you? I'm today? very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that warm introduction. Oh, um, welcome. Yeah, the local kickboxing kickboxing studio, which I used to attend. Um, now I'd rather just you know be a little. Well, we th- all used thicker, to attend. <laughs> thicker in the midsection. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, that's better for jujitsu if you're a little thicker in the middle. Oh, yeah, maybe. You just make well, a transition. Jeremiah would go to the secret room in the back and do like the ninja training that like yes. only like three people were allowed to go and do. Yes, I still do it. I go, to, I got to do it in the park now, but I still do it. And we still do, I still do some kickboxing. My, my wife trains, so her and I continue to, to do stuff. We were working out this morning. Um, so you're, you're here in the hood, you're in Windsor Terrace? Yeah, I'm like, I'm in my apartment, which is like, you know, a six a minute walk away. from where you're yeah. sitting right now. I'm yeah. on Sealy Street. So continuing with the theme that I've kind of had for the last few episodes is definitely hospitality, which is one industry I'm heavily involved in. But, but lately, it's also like my, my guest last week was a former employee uh, who got into startups as well. Oh, he started in startups and he became a bartender. He was, he was explaining last week, he began in education. He became a bartender because his first one went under. He lost money and he needed a job that made him quick money to kind of get back on top. And he was a good bartender. What he learned along the way was that he actually could merge the two. And he started a couple, he began a couple startups in the hospitality industry. He was, in fact, at Della last night. He was here. He rented the bar out for an hour to host a virtual happy hour that was like broadcast all over the world. So that's part of what he's doing with this company now, making adjustments to it. And Adam as well. You, did I get it correct? You have a background in law. I think yeah. you told me that. I pra- right? I'm, okay. a, I'm a lawyer by training. I, I right, practiced right. law for like t- eight, ten years. I don't even know. And I what stopped. what aspect of law do you specialize in? Oh, do we really want to talk about law? It's so much less interesting than Blivers. Yeah, just for a second. I just yeah, want yeah, people yeah. to know that I'm way. Really, it's on a- so I I I practice you know big law, big litigation. You know, companies fighting with companies about business stuff. You know, not like. Not not like divorces, not like yeah. you know, not like not like someone got hit by a truck, but like you know, companies fighting with each other about you know what their contracts say, basically. So I was yeah. a generalist um, litigator, 
a little bit of consumer protection stuff also, some class action defense also, but as a journalist litigator, I practice in the city. I'm still actually a little, I'm still affiliated with a law firm, um, mm-hmm. although I do less and less in work for them and with them. And where did you go to school at? Oh man, I went to Yale. Went to Yale undergrad and I went to Yale Law School. I, said, I heard of that. It's a good school. <laughs> um, it's actually okay. It's actually it's okay. okay. Um, and did you, did you, I mean, did you study some business to, to no. kind of direct you into this aspect of law? No, not really. Like I don't, I don't have a business training. I mean, I think that, so law is awesome because the thing about working in law, particularly in litigation is you get to look under the hood of lots of different kinds of businesses, mm-hmm. especially when they fall apart, right? Cause once I'm involved in a case, it's because, you know, shit has gone downhill in a big yeah. way, right? Yeah. It'd be different if I was writing the contract. I'm the, I'm the guy who's litigating the, litigating the problem, you know, trying to do like the postmortem, what went wrong here. Yeah. So it gives you insight into lots of different kinds of businesses. You meet lots of important people, right? You meet the C-suite because they're concerned about, you know, the problem. Right. So you get to look under the hood. It's useful in that way. Um, it teaches you kind of how to speak to power. Um, it, you know, how to talk to the C-suite, how to talk to the investors, how to negotiate over giant sums of money or whatever, which is not saying that like I would, I in my normal life would be comfortable doing, but like law teaches you to like fake it, right? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to negotiate this hundred million dollar settlement, which is not something a a normal person would ever do. Not saying I would even do in my own business. Right. (laughs) Um, but it, it teaches, it gets you comfortable with, with dealing with that kind of level of power. Um, so yeah, I think it's helpful. And then of course, like, you know, legal stuff comes up every day in my own business. So, you know, I have that leg up. I can do the legal stuff as a trained lawyer. Um, but, you know, as far as operationally running a business, like finding a guy, hiring him, selling a product to a restaurant. I mean, that's that's just business stuff. That's just like, you know, intuition yeah. that, um, you School know, doesn't really teach that. School right? doesn't <laughs> teach that. Maybe maybe some schools do, but a law bit. schools certainly don't don't teach that. And and did you ever have your own law practice, or were you always no, under always the umbrella affili- of another? I was affiliated with a law firm. Okay. Um, yeah, I never had never had my own practice. I was I worked for two big firms, yeah. one giant firm and one medium sized firm by New York City standards. It's interesting what you were just saying about getting to look under the hood as a lawyer. Um, a, a few weeks ago, I brought on uh, Eric Sarver, who's a Manhattan uh, business and employment law attorney and he has his own practice he actually just started his own show here on talkradio.nyc i think last week was his his first uh his first show um but he said something very similar where he you know he was representing all these businesses he has his own practice so he kind of was seeing it from both angles but he said you know definitely from seeing them like start to crumble and and working out like a lot of their issues gave him a lot of extra insights to look run a successful business that's got to yeah. be that's got to be a nice little edge. So, what directed you towards you know startups in particular and like owning your own company and starting your own company? Because so we didn't mention this yet. Let's officially announce yeah. Adam as the founder and CEO of Deliver Zero, which is a reusable, sustainable takeout container. You're basically a B two B company for for restaurants. I'm actually B two C. I'm I'm a marketplace. I'm actually a marketplace. Okay. Um, I don't know. Where, where does Grubhub? Is Grubhub B2B or B2C? I'm not sure. It's like kind of both. It uh, is. It's, it's a marketplace, right? You find their restaurants and then there are people who are eating food. And 
Grubhub or Deliver Zero just sort of is trying to marry those two together, right? It's trying to make that interaction. But you happen. solicit restaurants more than direct consumers, correct? No, not exactly. I mean, so you go to DeliverZero.com and you are a consumer. You type in your address and you can you order food through DeliverZero.com. Um, it's funny in my day to day sort of job, I, I'm the guy who's knocking on restaurants door and talking to restaurants shamelessly. Um, and one of my I have two partners who I do this with. Um, I have another partner, my partner Lauren. She's the person who's sort of more facing consumers, who's saying, "Hey, order your food through DeliverZero.com." Yeah, I had a job. I mean, I'm, I'm like a weirdo and a creative person, and like I'll, I'll vouch for that. <laughs> I do like artistic things, and like I just. What I'm was that one time you stopped me on the street and you were like, what's your favorite drummer? Just out of nowhere. <laughs> it was like, that was a long gave, conversation. You gave some crazy answers to that. Cause like yeah. you knew yeah. some weird ass drummers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I also, I like weird free music, you know, old free jazz and all that weird stuff too. Yeah. Uh, but that's another conversation. But I just knew that like, you know, I wanted to do something creative and wild and big. And I, and I could see myself getting a little bit older and like I was just getting, not that there's anything wrong with practicing law. It's good. It's good, good day-to-day job, but it wasn't, it's not a wild thing to do. So my wife was very supportive. She's like, yeah, quit your job, figure it out. And it took me a while to figure it out. I just knew that I wanted to do not a small business. There's a difference between having a small business and having a startup. A startup, startup is like, a small business like makes you money on day one. Like you're running, Della is like a small business, even if it's big, it's, you know, it's a small business. Like on day one, you open, you know, you sell duck ragu and you, you just made some money. Right. With Deliver Zero, it's like, I don't make any money. You know, I make, I mean, I make some money, but I lose money every day. If it takes off, if I can get investment and if, if I can, you know, grow it, then I'll, I'll make a lot of money. It'll be successful. You know, it'll, it'll be a successful big business. But I knew I wanted to do something like that. That is a, a startup as opposed to a small business, you know, an all in kind of crazy bet. Um, and it took me a while to figure it out. But, you know, I knew I wanted to do something also in the restaurant space. Um, but, you know, that was it. It was really just about like p- passion and personality that made me feel like I wanted to do something big and crazy. Cool. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to pick back up with your passion and personality <laughs> when we get back. So everybody stay tuned to get all that juice. We'll be back in just a minute, everybody. Hang tight. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Okay, folks, we're back again. It's the Entrepreneurial Web, 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock every Friday. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, here with my friend and neighbor, founder and CEO of Deliver Zero, Adam Farbiash. Welcome back, Mr. Farbiash. Thank you, Jeremiah. So we were just talking about your passion and your... <laughs> What did you say? It was too. I don't know. It 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 had some zing to it. It did. It was really great. No, I do appreciate you making the distinction though between, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and and especially after having tour on last week, and and uh, the guy two weeks ago was the guy that uh, took over my old coffee shop. Um, It's now called Poetica Coffee. Have you been by there yet? Yeah. He's a fascinating dude. He's a casa croissant, Senor Farbiash, (laughs) and his croissants. He's, he's a really fascinating character. You should talk to him. His name is Parvis, and he, he really blew my mind, like, on our first conversation. And I was like, you got to come on the show. we got to talk. What's his deal? He's uh, he, he just, like, serial entrepreneur. He just, he's going after everything and, and just he, he sees everything as an opportunity right now. He's just all over it. Um, he started, at, you know, as a laundry service and then uh, opened his own laundromat and then got into hospitality and he's just like he's young and excited and just he's he's willing to throw money at, at things and just kind of doesn't care. But it's worked out for him so far. I mean, he's lost some stuff, but he's also like gained a lot. And I feel like he's just he's just getting ready to take off. And I just want to be I like being around people like that. You know, yeah. I mean, you give me the same vibe like what you were just talking about. You wanted to do something that was like big, something that was bigger, something that wasn't just a small business. So. You know, I, I had the same ambitions and I did it. I, I've been thinking a lot about scalability and it seems like something like a startup. That's really the goal. Like a startup, it's, if it almost seems inherent that it has to be yeah. super scalable, right? You're not going to, yeah. I mean, like restaurants are scalable to an extent. I mean, if you listen to like David Chang or Danny Meyer, you know, those guys are really fascinating in the way that they've handled it all. But um I feel like there's some restrictions. There's a, there's a pretty low ceiling, <laughs> you know, you kind of yeah, hit it and you're exactly. like, eh, it's getting tight in here where I feel like it's an, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it startups really have like an inherent high ceiling in terms of their scalability. Yeah. I mean that, that's sort of one of the features of, yeah, it has to be scalable. So like I build all this tech that powers my system. I build that tech once, right? right. It's very expensive to build it, but I build it once and that tech can be deployed all over the world, right? Um, and that's like a, a true startup. Like if I were to invent like a new, like a new kind of PowerPoint, right? I was going to be better than Microsoft PowerPoint. 
I would build it once and then it would just be deployed all over the world. And even if I spend like $10 million building it, that's perfectly scalable because right. the marginal cost of get, getting an additional user is zero. My business isn't quite like that. I mean, I have all these other costs. I, it, to get into restaurants takes a lot of labor. You have physical time. physical product. Exactly, exactly. So it's not a perfectly it's not a perfectly scalable business. There are all a bunch of linear costs, right? Like yeah. every restaurant I add, every customer I add, I need more boxes, I need more tablets. So there are these things just like a restaurant. Every time you know you need another table, you need another waiter, you know. So there are other additional costs for every margin. You don't have customer. rent though, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Every time you want to grow your restaurant, you gotta pay more in rent. So it's not right. that scale. But certain things do scale, like the accounting department scales, like there's one you have a one accountant for one restaurant and maybe one accountant for twenty restaurants. Right. Um, and the systems, the systems are scalable. I mean, if you yeah. look at like a movie like Founder and how he just took that idea and kept going with it, that was really, that was really phenomenal. Um, so, like, if I, you know, I would never, I don't think I'd ever open another Della, but if I open another restaurant, I would totally take all my systems and everything here and just plug it in. Yep. So the things that you know, like you were saying, you have rent, you have all these expenses, but there's so much that can come out of this that that is able to be replicated i just think the payoff is a lot less than something like what you're doing on a, yeah, on we'll, a like a <laughs> you know, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but that's the that's the ambition and intention for you with this company yeah. i mean yeah like you know when we figure it out like when is when is my company going to be profitable like the like if all goes well the answer is like two to three years from now if all yeah, goes I mean, well um, restaurants are like five <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could be five years. I mean, it could yeah. be a while. Um, could be a while. And uh, you started off not with the to-go container. I mean, I'm curious. You said you you just like you wanted to do a startup specifically in in restaurants and hospitality. What was it that drove you towards that? Well, when I quit As my law to- job, my dad was like, "You're you're forbidden from opening a restaurant." <laughs> <laughs> That's really what I really want. He'd be do. like, "Fuck you, Dad! I'm gonna yeah, do exactly. it." <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, my dad knows me, right? Like, what I really want to do is like, we do what you do, like, have a little restaurant. <laughs> That's what you uh, want? Yeah, I know I'll, it's crazy. Um, I'll sell you one real cheap. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I mean, I mean, so many New Yorkers have a fantasy of having a restaurant or a bar. It's a very common fantasy, right? Yeah. Um, but me, you, I was, I, I, I drink the juice. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can disabuse them of that fantasy and why it's a bad idea. But I mean, it's a, it's very attractive. So I mean, I'm attracted to restaurants. I like it. I like the hustle of it. I like the scrappiness yeah. of it. Um, and I would I, never I, talk anybody out of doing it either. Like I was the same. Like I was always a goal since I was a kid to like open a restaurant in new york city and and i have no regrets there are you know the more i learned about business there are some reconciliations now on like what my initial goal was versus like the reality that can that can be a big pill to swallow but i would never talk anybody out of it yeah i mean aren't you just so proud sitting there in Della? it's beautiful it's your space it's so absolutely real it is It's, it's very real it's very validating too versus a startup. <laughs> no, like, like digital services. You know, I, I follow a lot of people that are in digital. They just have like an online business that maybe they just do like digital marketing or something like that. And it's like, that's cool. Some people are like super real about it, but some people are kind of like, is this real? You know, and there's, I think it could be a lot less validating versus like, this is really scrappy. It's not pretty. It's, it's dirty work, you know, but if you can do this, I feel like there's, um, there's not much you can't do. I can't be a doctor, you know, 
but I don't want to be either. No, you, you all don't want me to be. <laughs> um, I would be like, just do some jujitsu. You'll be okay tomorrow. <laughs> some duct tape on that. But what interests me too is like what Tor said last week, he started in startups in I kind of figure out a better phrasing for that started in startups. What's the proper way to introduce that sentence? I like that. Started began in startups. It's weird. Start, start he started his started, he started his startup ups. career. This guy started startups. It's, he started began ups. It's a it's a tongue twister. But he he was in education and he developed this you know this app for like scheduling for students. And even though education like on surface value has a it's a big enterprise, it's a big industry he realized how much, like you were just saying, there's like, there's a lot more quick cash in hospitality. Like people are spending money. They're dropping like little bits constantly. You almost feel like a mob guy. Like you're just hustling like that five bucks, you know, like, man, yeah, I just yeah. got to get that money. Just got to get that money. You know, but it's like that because it's available. Like the transaction rate is high, you know, in like food and beverage retail and, and in service, you know, it's just like quick. There's people constantly coming and there's just constant cash injections where like, with other services, you might only make like you might only get paid once a month. It's, it'll be like a bigger sum, but it's just like one big chunk, and then you're like, man, that's all I got. There is this sense of like, today could be the day. <laughs> you know, we might we might make a lot today, or you might not make anything. You know, it could be like some chunk change. But I'm just wondering if that was like part of the allure too, going from law to like hospitality. Like you were you were saying, like you're making money day one. You open your door transactions come in like people are dropping cash on you right away yeah i mean that's the thing like i I, i'm like a straightforward person and like um yeah i like understood that people would be people are gonna order food it's gonna happen people have to eat i I could figure out a product around around food um and it's a quick sales cycle you know if you make some if you're making the next powerpoint like it's a, it's just long before it's you figured it out and before anyone yeah, buys yeah, yeah. it. Um, and and so you started out. Give people a little context of how the startup began. So version one of this was, and actually, I always had in my mind that people introducing reusables. But version one of this, I was like, listen, if we could make a club of restaurants, if I could get six or seven restaurants together and form a club and then people and, – and maybe get like the core New York City takeout cuisines like you know, a Chinese and a Japanese and a Thai and a Middle Eastern, like Indian, like the core like weeknight takeout stuff that New Yorkers get. If I could just assemble like six restaurants like that together into a hub, then maybe people would subscribe to that. They'd commit and they'd say like I will get – you know, two dinners, three dinners, four dinners a month from that club. And I, I ran that. I ran it in Park Slope. You know, I went to restaurants, hey, you want to do this? Give a little discount to people if they commit to getting two or three or four dinners a month from this little hub. And this is not going to be like Grubhub, right, where there are a million restaurants. You're going to be like six or seven restaurants in this platform. That's it. And people are going to subscribe to this. And I, I was always thinking, like, once the club is hot and going, then I can just introduce containers that are shared among all the restaurants in the club. Never even got that far because the business sucked. Um, it just, you know, people don't like subscriptions. Consumers don't like subscriptions. Especially um, on, on that, like on something that's a much more spontaneous decision. Totally. Right? Totally. Like totally. food, prepared food purchases, are, I think, are they're, if they're not the highest, they're among the highest spontaneous purchases among consumers. I know. I was just saying to my wife the other day, like, I go to the supermarket. I'm like, don't buy that pasta. It's like 20 cents too expensive. 
But then I'm like hungry at seven o'clock. I'm like, just spend 80 bucks. It makes no sense. Exactly. It makes no sense. Man, <laughs> talk about like if my wife goes to the grocery store hungry, she just comes back with like $300 worth of useless food. It's so crazy. <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, oh man, don't do that. And like, I, like I do purchasing for all these places and I, I, that's how I think about like our home purchases, but I don't go to the grocery store much, so I can't complain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. When you're hungry, you'll just go. Yeah. Go, especially if you got a credit card in hand. Yeah, and that's what you're saying. Like, people don't want to subscribe to stuff. It's, it's much more of an impulse purchase. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I ran that business for a few months, really. Um, and it's just I had no traction. It wasn't good. And then I was like, you know, we have to make, you know, first of all, just roll out the reusable thing right now. Maybe that'll maybe people will be super attracted to that. It turns out they were. I was like, amazing. I'm so, yeah. so happy. So proud of my fellow New Yorkers who, like, who want an environmental solution. Like, I thought it was going to be like a niche thing that, like, you know, some people care about the environment. It turns out, like, everybody who gets takeout, even if you're right. not an environmental geek, they're like, yeah. dude, this is a crazy waste. Like, they just made all this packaging to last for, like, an hour, and then I'm going to, like, get rid of it. What an insane yeah. system. And, like, I believe that future generations will look back at this and be like, why the hell were people in the 21st century, like, making packaging to last for, like, an hour and then throwing it away? That's the dumbest thing. If we're, if we're even still around long enough to look <laughs> yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, New Yorkers get that. Even then, yeah. even, you know, I mean, because we're all kind of progressive, but, like, even if you're not an environmental geek, you understand how foolish the current system is. Um, so people are into it. Yeah. I want to, we're going to take another break, but I want to pick back up on that. And, and again, tying in like the message this week, social entrepreneurship and, and how you saw that and ran with it. And that ended up being like your springboard for success. If that's, if that's what you have <laughs> well, to be determined, that's my little cliffhanger. So everybody comes <laughs> yeah, yeah. back. They're yeah, like, yeah, I've heard enough of this. Oh yeah. shit. Now I got to come back. All right. Yeah. So hang tight, everybody. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. My guest this week is founder and CEO of Deliver Zero, Adam Farbiage. And we were just talking on the last segment. We wrapped up uh, tying back into the message of the week, which has to do with social entrepreneurship and the idea, one, the social aspect, uh, doing something that's good you know, for yourself as a human, but also the world, trying to make the world a better place. So the way Adam accomplished that was through um, his, his reusable, recyclable takeout containers, which, you know, ends up protecting, helping the environment. But then the idea of entrepreneurship and, and Adam, what fascinates me is that you, you notice that, especially in New York, people were about that. Like you said, even the ones who were not like at PETA protests and like the, the Enviro geeks, just people in general, just like your average person was already well versed in the idea of like, okay, we should get rid of plastic bags. We should bring our own reusable bags to the grocery store. People, you know, the compost bins in most neighborhoods and, and people were on board with this already. So you saw that and you were like, I want to get into the food and, and hospitality industry. Like what's going to be my hook. And you, you saw that and you, you took it. And I think that's like core to entrepreneurship is understanding that there's, there's a need, there's a void, there's a, there's a, a service that needs to be fulfilled. And you just saying, I'm going to do this. Maybe don't know how, but I'm going to jump in. And that's that's exactly what you did. Yeah, correct? and that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, so, yeah, what they always want to say is, like, what's the problem you're solving, right? Like, that's like, you know, start up first question. Like, what's the problem right. you're solving? And the problem I'm solving is, like, waste in takeout, single-use waste. And so, and when I presented that to some people, particularly early investors, they're like, bullshit. That's not a problem. No one gives a shit about that. And I, I'd have to be like, no, actually, they do. There was, a, there was an article in the Washington Post last week on September 14th about this problem. People yeah. hate this problem. And like, because it's an environmental thing, it's a social thing, like, so people, some people are initially skeptical. They're like, that's not a problem. You're just, that's just like some like hippie bullshit. But it's not true. Consumers consider this a real problem. It's a problem that needs to be solved. So like, that was kind of like a leap of faith or a faith, it took a leap of faith in my fellow, in my fellow New Yorker. To actually be like, I actually think that New Yorkers do realize this is a problem. And it turns out they do, you know. And and that you're right. It is a leap of faith because what people say and what people do are often two different things where people right. are like, I support this, da, 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 da. When it comes time to do it, there's like, especially like a lack of funding, <laughs> sometimes yeah. a lack of yeah. financial commitment. You're like, damn, y'all, I thought you really, I thought you really wanted this, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've learned that the hard way uh, for sure. But, but it, and you're and it. And I think that always is the case. You always have to take that initial step and just see like, is, is the, the pull is the back pull really there? And in your case it was, which in, in my opinion, it equates to at least a certain level of success and, and how you gauge that, whether it's financial or like accomplishment or a combination of both, you know, that's up to you. But to me, it, that's successful. Do you feel that way? Um, is the question, do I feel successful? Uh, yeah. No, not, not yet. <laughs> not yet. I don't have bit? time to ask that question. I, I don't, Good. I mean, I he's don't. hungry. I told you he was a fighter. Yeah, in the beginning. I, <laughs> I mean, listen, I am, I am proud of certain things. I am proud that like Deliver Zero is a thing in the world now. Like, right. the, our customers, they ain't my friends. They're not, they're not like, it's not like my mom's book club who's ordering from us. There's strangers who find us and are like, this is cool. I want this. And the fact that like we're becoming a fat part of the fabric of the city is makes me proud. 
Have we succeeded? Not really, because it's not widely adopted enough and enough restaurants and people aren't doing it. But, you know, I'm proud when people who I don't know, who are most of our customers, are just like, I want that thing, not because I'm friends with you, not because I'm your neighbor or whatever. Yeah. I just want it. That's a product that I want. And that makes me proud. Um, but I'm, it's not a success yet <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And, we're, and you're talking in terms of your reach and finances and yeah, like we're just, we're sustainability. Just operation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we've been sitting here during this podcast, two people have ordered lunch from me. Okay. It's not bad, but like a few bucks. It's not, the show's not a complete loss in the last two minutes, like, you know, (laughs) 70,000. And so, uh, you know, you mentioned, and I, and I pointed this out on one of our first meetings about this, Adam, you know, even when he was just starting to think about this would, would pick my brain about certain aspects of it. I think on your first, uh, your first iteration on your website, you were saying you, you, you called out Grubhub and Seamless (laughs) You like <laughs> name right. them your competitors, and I was like, "Damn, this guy ain't I'm playing like, games, suck. man." <laughs> you like, I mean, are you sick I, of Grubhub and Seamless? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I was like, "Bro, I mean, you didn't do kickboxing that long." Let's <laughs> <laughs> pick a fight. You're picking a fight. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I should shut my mouth. My partner, no, no, my partners good. would say something, but like that's something we talk about, like how much to villainize the other guys. Um, you know, I want to villainize them a little bit. Uh, but not too much. Um, and that's right. not, not for marketing just because I don't want to be an asshole. Like customers don't want to be around brands that are like assholeish. Right. And um, I, my, my message last week was about like, if you want to build the biggest building in town, I'm uh, paraphrasing uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you familiar with him? No. One day you'll have to check him out. Um, but something he's known to say often is like, if you want to build the biggest building in town, there's two ways you can do it. You can, try to knock all the other big buildings down so that yours is the biggest one standing, or you can just focus on building the biggest building in town right. brick by brick, you know, and, and, and what, what do people value more, you know, is you like demonizing, trying to chop other people down or just like really just building your own thing up. Yeah. But, but at least, I mean, you're, you're, you are like drawing a little line in the sand, like we're not them. And that, that part I appreciated, you know, like you have to, you have to distinguish yourself and like identify yourself. You have to, you know, you, I mean, we're not them connect with you in some way. Like, yeah. yeah. First, and we are do gooder company up and down. So we got the yeah. environmental thing, but like we're cheap for, we're cheaper for restaurants than grub up. Our, you know, we take a commission. That's how we make money. Right. We give the restaurants the containers for free, the tech for free. There's no subscription, no sign up, none of that bullshit. We take yeah, so yeah, explain that because yeah. companies like Grubhub and Seamless yeah. and Uber Eats so, are way under fire lately uh, yeah, because they, of that. Yeah, we take commissions the same way we they do. Although actually, in New York City, the commissions are all lower by law during coronavirus. There's a there's a mm-hmm. there's a law that applies during coronavirus. There's what twenty percent cap now? Twenty percent cap for deliveries. Five percent cap if if they're just routing orders to you. So if, if the restaurant does its own deliveries, right. so which is great because you know New York City wants to prop up support restaurants, not help Grubhub. I actually went to the city council and was like, dude, why is this cap applying to me? I'm like a nobody. I have no market power. But they're like, ah, too bad. Anyway, yeah. um, but uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, you know, we're do good or up and down. Like our commissions are, are lower than Grubhub's. Typically, like we try to make them basically like half of Grubhub's. Depends on what they, they negotiate. So, like, also, Grub, there, were no, there were no hidden fees. There's no telephone fees. I mean, it's a whole world of, like, borderline funny practices that these companies do, but we don't do any of that. Like it's just a straight low commission for the restaurant, no sign up fee. You don't charge them for the reusable boxes, none of that stuff. So who pays, does the customer pay for the, the, the reusable containers? No, 
The reusable containers, I buy, these are expensive. I buy these containers, I give them for free. If a customer hangs on to a container for more than six weeks, she doesn't return it after six weeks, we charge them. So each of these containers, if you, if you hang on for six weeks without returning it, you're charged $3.25 per container. Um, of course, you return them because you don't want to be charged. Um, and that's just sort of like, that's like the stick that we use to say, don't, you better return it. But if you return it, there's no charge. So how do you make money? <laughs> you make money from the commission. So, you know, you order $100 worth of food, right? From the, you're, you're sitting at home. I want, some, I want some Chinese food. Order $100 worth of Chinese food. I'll, let's say my commission is typically 10%. It could even be less sometimes. But let's say it's 10%. I take 10% of that, uh, of that order. Oh, and it's coming through your it's the, restaurant through the site. Me. The restaurant pays me. Exactly. The restaurant does pay you. Yeah. The so there, does, you're essentially like a marketing platform for reusable containers on your site whatever. I, I make money the exact same way Grubhub and Caviar yeah, and DoorDash make money. So my take is smaller. Plus right. I make this huge investment in all these boxes. I make this huge investment in each of my, with each of my restaurant partners. Um, but the hope is that over time that investment pays off. Gotcha. Understood now. Cool. Um, and, and so what have been, when, when did you transition? When did you start? Like what was the like, year you started with the first the 1.0 and then when did you transition to oh jeez uh, oh, one point it's like it's gonna i'm gonna be embarrassed it was like 2018 long, it took me forever it? i don't know like, something like that 2018 i probably was doing the 1.0 and then it was just sucking too badly so i turned it off and then i was like okay i'm gonna go all in on on the reusable thing on deliver zero i, I built it um as quickly as i could build it the tech um, and then we, I flipped it on in November, 2019. So at, on November, in November, 2019, oh, wow. I accepted my first deliver zero order. Um, and then it was like, you know, I literally like wrote on like the local listserv, Park Slope parents. I was like, I wrote to the dad, the Park Slope parents dads. I was like, listen, yeah, I, I, I got this thing. Like I need some people to like order tonight to like see if it works. Night. <laughs> and, and Susan Fox, the administrator of the list server was like, you are not allowed to do that. And I'm like, I just need some help. I just want to, I want someone to order. And that's how it started. And like that's three people ordered. I think group. I gave them like free dinner or whatever. Right. And right. And then like a month, a month later, like people were still ordering food and like the technology was so rudimentary. And then I basically like, I found my, my two partners, one of whom I, I know socially and one of whom I met like at a meetup. Yeah. I found my two partners. I was like, guys, this is working. Like I need some help. And they're like, yeah. let's do it. So it was just you at the beginning. Just me. Yeah. Crazy. I didn't I, realize. Go ahead. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize it was that recent. So when we, I was doing focus groups here at the restaurant and, and I invited Adam to one, we would just like pick a Monday or Tuesday night and I'd invite like five or six people from different industries. We'd sit in the back of the restaurant and open a couple of bottles of wine and put out some food and we just chew the fat on a topic. And Adam had come, you came in like, that was like December or January at the latest. I didn't realize you were that fresh out of the out of the gate at that point and it's funny because like we started talking about social media and how how uh interactive your website was with your customers and it all of a sudden like everybody just honed on in on what you were doing and bobby oh, yeah. senior jr was there and it got like kind of crazy they were like it. your social media sucks 
Well, they didn't quite say that. They said you're, they said parts of it were great, and then they were like, "But you need to do this and you need to do that." And that was not it's the savage. intention at all. Yeah, you did get a little savage, but it was Bobby. I mean, that's what Bobby does. But yeah. anyways, I didn't realize you you guys were that fresh out of the gate at that point. Crazy. Cool. We're gonna take one last break, everybody. We'll be back in just a few. Finalize uh, this show and hear what what Deliver Zero is up to these days. So hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Okay, everybody, welcome back. Last round of this show. Ding, ding, ding. Bringing back kickboxer kidding. Uh, but he is a fighter. He definitely doesn't mind getting, getting his knuckles in it. Um, so uh, we were just talking about you're your launching the, the current incarnation of Deliver Zero in November of 2019, developing some momentum, bringing on some partners, and then, well, bam, global pandemic really put a, a dent in the way restaurants operate and like how many of them even existed. I think shit, man, it's down like 50%. How are right you now. surviving? How is Della surviving? Man, you know, we got no loans or anything. We literally just got scrappy, um, you know, martial arts values, bro. Everything I, I learned over the last five years of training jujitsu and, and Muay Thai and being under, you know, learning how to handle pressure and learning how to handle, how to approach adversity and look at it really helped me in a big way. Um, you know, half my stuff left town. I didn't lay anybody off. Um, in fact, the wine store was so busy. We doubled our staff there and I offered everybody that didn't want to work at the restaurants, uh, a position there where they'd be making the same amount of money. And they literally just left town. So I took who was remaining and, and my wife and I filled the, uh, the rest of the gaps and it, we just, dropped any 
unnecessary expenses. We just got, we went with what the core feedback we were getting from people. I mean, we have the blessing of, have been in, we were, we had been in operation for four and a half years. So we knew kind of, you know, we had numbers to look at real data, like what people were most interested in. And we just doubled down on that and it worked again. It was a leap of faith. Cause I was like, do people want to, do they want takeout? And we were takeout only for, we didn't, we haven't missed a day. I haven't had a day off since February. Um, you know, we just put it out there that we were going to do this. Um, and it, and it turned into some really wonderful things. I mean, we were connected with, uh, feed Brooklyn heroes and we were sending lunches to hospital workers and that, you know, that kind of thing has continued to where even last Friday we did, you know, over 50 lunches for a local middle school, you know, because oh, wow. they don't have cafeterias, you yeah, know, you like got a kitchen, make them some food. Yeah. Homeless shelters can't operate cause they can't have people in there and like all these crazy situations. So people just, you know, locals have banded together and put these organizations together and collected money. And they're literally going to restaurants. They know are struggling and saying here, you know, it's not a lot. It's just like your profit, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're not making a lot of money on these lunches, but that's not what it's about. You know, what are you making? About, are you making like your schmancy food? We make everything. Sometimes we do. Sometimes it's possible. Sometimes we make bolognese. Um, but I try to hit all four food groups. I try to always have something fresh. I try to make, I try to fill the box as much as possible. I want people to, you know, we're, we're sending it to, to teachers, to hospital workers, to, you know, people that, that don't have food or accessibility to it. So I want it to be the best meal possible. Sometimes I just let my chefs do their thing and, you know, they're from West Africa and I'm like, can you make a banging rice dish? And they throw, man, they'll make like a pepper sauce with tomatoes and onions and garlic and all kinds of healthy stuff and some green stuff. But then they also roast cabbage and they'll put squash and they'll put cassava. And then, you know, we always try to, we always put protein in it unless they say, you know, we need like a certain amount of vegetarian meals. Like when we were doing the hospitals, it was like, you know, if they ordered a hundred meals, they wanted 33 vegetarian. So yeah. we just beef up on, you know, we will put like a huge salad in there as well or whatever, but um, really getting involved in the community and, and doubling down on, on what, you know, what people have shown that they really value from us over the years and then our community engagement. And those two things really made it, made it work while things were really down. And then once we get to see it outside, things kind of got back to normal. It's weird. Like it's not a normal operation, but revenue kind of showed up as it normally does. And so July and August are typically our worst months of the year. Um, and this year I celebrated that because our numbers were the same. So I was like, we, we, you know, we met our worst months of the year. We, you know, we, 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 we matched that, uh, that number. And, and it was a celebration this year as opposed to like in the years past, they'd be like, oh man, this is right, terrible. Right, right. It's July. good enough this year. It was like doing backflips that we actually made that money. We'll see how things go in the, as the winter. Yeah. Approaches. What are you going to do about, what's your plan for the cold? So, I mean, apparently on the 30th, we can start to seat inside at 30%, 25% capacity. And we're going to take that, we're going to take that stab. You know, we're going to take yeah. that, that jump and leap of faith. Um, you know, we're going to keep the doors and windows open. Like we have all, all summer and continue to, to have like good ventilation. Um, I got an HVAC guy come in to check the filtration system, but I've got the right kind of air system that they're, they're saying is best. I just need to, I just need to make sure that filters are, are up to par, um, mask up and do the, do the thing, man. And, and hope that, hope that sustains, you know, we'll make adjustments as time goes, but it seems to be like for you, it was a, a time for at least more attention. If not, you know, if you didn't make any more money, everything, everybody had to go to takeout. Yeah. So well, you I, had shut, this I shut down for a bit. I shut down okay. for a bit. I shut down in for a couple months in March 
Um, so why I don't know why I mean I know why I shut down at the, t- at the time. It was like end of March was like the height of the fear. We didn't know yeah, anything. It's crazy. Right. Me and me and my family went. We went up to Green County. We like rented like a mobile home in Green County. Nice. So it was it was, it was a really interesting experience. Um, we uh, I mean obviously people want to take out, but like I to make my business work, I you know I have going to a million restaurants every day. Yeah. Um, and it was just like too much exposure for me personally and for my partners. I was like I I don't I don't know anything about this virus. I don't feel comfortable meeting like. Going to a different, doing going to a hundred restaurants a day, like it's just yeah. it's too much. It was the height of the fear, if you remember back in March. Of course, but, but then we, we flipped the switch back on, obviously. Um, and when was that? That was in June. Okay, it was in June. And how have things gone since then? Things are going good. We're back to where we're better than we than we were pre Great. pre the start of the pandemic. We're adding a lot of restaurants right, right now. Um, we're trying to build up the offering in Brooklyn. We're we're building up the offering a lot and quick in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, a bunch of Manhattan restaurants are joining. Um, but yeah, it's going good. And, and so for us, you know, we we're seating outside and our, our availability is less, but the really great part, and this was something that I've been trying to build for a while where like we did, we folded in a good amount of takeout into our business, especially on weeknights that would have helped tremendously pre pandemic. And I would say the same, like operationally, we're much better off than we were like, on are you March doing delivery? 12th. Are you doing delivery? Yeah. You do the delivery or you outsource it to one of the bad boys? Both. Most okay. of what we've gotten, I, you know, as I, I tried them all out going back to like 2017 and, and they all sucked and I hated it. And I was like, and they were giving me no money. It was no revenue. It was, it was laughable, you know, like monthly it equated to a bad day, <laughs> like what they were giving me yeah. combined, like Uber Eats, Amazon Now, Grubhub, Seamless, you know, DoorDash, Postmates. Yeah. So I, I pulled us probably like two years ago, maybe 18 months ago um, from all of them. And it was just internal. And we, we just didn't get takeout. People came to, I mean, you've been in here. It's like people come in to sit in this like gorgeous tomb. You know, they, they love the, the ambiance. And we set shit on fire behind the bar. That's what people wanted. But um, I, obviously I had to put us back on all those platforms yeah. in mid-March. And they were all overwhelmed with onboarding a bunch of places. So it took some time. And people just knew to call us. I mean, we were very active on social media and I had signage out front. So if you walk by, you saw it. And I was just like pounding it every day on Facebook and Instagram. And, and just on my personal pages, you know, like this is what's going on. We revamped the, the website immediately to, to reflect that. And I'd say 95% of our business came from call-ins and walk-ins. Even, yeah. even during the pandemic. And I was just sending, you know, we sending guys out on foot, you know, I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I call a friend that has a car. I literally have a couple of friends that are just like, are, you know, they live across the street. And I'm like, they're out of work. So like, I'll give you cash if you just like run this delivery. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. sure. They got nothing else to do. So just being really resourceful. Um, and then, you know, we're still on with all those platforms, but they, they send me like five orders a week combined, all of them, you know? Yeah. But we're still doing, you know, 30, 40, 50 takeout orders a week, pickup and delivery. And it's That's just, just locals who, who know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, again, just riding on our, our community connections and, and really, like, contributing. So, can, and, I, and, can I use your podcast to, to sell you on Deliver Zero? Yeah, Why? of course. You should get on Deliver Zero. Let's you do it. You handle your own orders. And, I'll, you know, you can make, we'll make a little teensy, tiny delivery area for you, you know, just the neighborhood. Yeah, we could do it. 
Sign we'll talk after the podcast. I'll sign you up. Damn, you got me. He got me. You guys yeah. all witnessed that, right? I told you this guy was sly. He's a fighter. Yeah. No, absolutely. I thought about it like halfway through. I'm like, why am I not on this? Yeah, why are you not on the? <laughs> I mean, I well, the truth is, I don't have. I know I have restaurants. I mean, I have plenty of restaurants that deliver here, right here. Yeah. Um, I don't have any. How many of them make fresh pasta though? How many make a fresh pasta? You think that's a joke? I have a customer. I have a customer who literally, her name is Lydia. I'm not gonna tell you her last name. Who literally like ridden me like two times, being like, and, she, and I talked to her on the phone with once too. She called me. He's like, you have no restaurants on your platform that make fresh pasta. I swear to God. All right. Call her today. Tell her she can order for me tonight. Um, we got to wrap up. Uh, we, got, we got 60 seconds. Tell everybody where they can find out information, how they can sign up, how they can learn more. Go. Go to DeliverZero.com. DeliverZero.com. You live in Manhattan. You live in Brooklyn. Type in your, your address. You know, and you'll see a bunch of restaurants that uh, deliver to you. Order some food. Make it zero waste. There you go. You're slick, man. You're slick. I got to give it to you. <laughs> you got me. No. Nah. Thank you. Thank you for this fun uh, podcast, Jeremiah. No. Thank you for coming on. You know, I know I'll see you around, but I do wish you the best of luck in all this. And uh, you're, you're definitely an inspiration. So thank you. And I hope you all listening uh, and watching got, got that same vibe. Adam's a great dude. So you keep up the good work. The rest of you have a great weekend. We'll check in with you next week. Peace out. Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a curious person always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. 
Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 